Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Mm-mm-mm, cowboys and aliens. And Neil Potter. Aw, oh, shit, here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> And you guys, you know what that means. That means we are on part 14 on our series on Harrison Ford. Well, we will be talking about the 2011 movie Cowboys and Aliens. It is directed by John Favreau. It stars Daniel Craig, Harrison Ford, and Olivia Wilde. Um, and as always, we'll start with some film trivia. We'll go into some box office, and then we'll dive into our full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie Cowboys and Aliens. And we'll end, um, as always, with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford and some recommendations. So, guys, we have a very special guest, a returning guest, actually. Um, he took... Whoa. He took this form so he could walk among us. Troy Potter, (laughs) welcome back to Credits Due. Hey, fellas. Thanks for having me. Real pleasure. Real pleasure. (laughs) Oh, boy. He is going to finish all over this podcast. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, Troy, welcome back. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for joining us again. Um, Wondering, uh, so you were on here uh yes i did i did bright last yes, time if you did right. re- if you didn't remember <laughs> yes, the, you picked another winner i, I, tell I forgot this. we even did that movie so thank you for reminding me <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so i'm wondering um uh kind of what are your thoughts on harrison ford uh, Harrison Ford in general, I usually really like. Uh, I've listened to all of your episodes of this season, and he does hit that weird late '80s, early '90s slump where it's just like we've all been there. Bullshit, only <laughs> <lonely> dad <laughs> movies. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, but normally, I I enjoy his presence and stuff. Mm. Um, I like that at one certain point of his career, he just turned into a grumpy asshole. <laughs> and in real life, not just in his movies. <laughs> and uh, it surprises me to no end from all the bullshit that he endures of being Han Solo and Indiana Jones and Deckard and the guy from The Fugitive <laughs> that he would be like, yeah, let's do Cowboys and Aliens. Oh boy. That sounds like a fucking great idea. <laughs> and here we are. Yes. Uh, quick quick side piece. So did you guys see the Vanity Fair put out uh, like a video on YouTube where he breaks down his career? Oh, no. And literally for just about every movie, he's like, well, I got the script. It sounded fun, so I did it. Like, that's his answer for every single movie. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Oh, my God. I need to watch that. Yes. Is it one of those where he's like, mm, um, well, I uh, got the script for this, and I uh, thought it was... It's just like monotone under <laughs> under yeah. his fucking voice the whole time. Yeah. Yep. Um, exactly. Uh, that. Uh, 
about the scream of this. Um, or, or is it one of those, <laughs> quit telling me how to act! Pointing <laughs> the shit out of everybody. He doesn't get that hot. He doesn't get that hot. It's more Good. the first time. It's, But man, does he not touch on like any of his like big characters. So like, yep, and Han Solo... The script sounded fun, so I did it. And then that just moves on to the next movie. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah, Vanity Fair's YouTube videos are pretty wild. Uh, um, Daisy Ridley has a video where she um, breaks down the throne room uh, fight scene in The Last Jedi. And it is the it, it is literally her sitting in front of a laptop just hitting the space bar on it to pause and play the video. And it's like in her backyard and it's just the most casual, like breakdown <laughs> of a movie scene ever. Highly recommend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, well, that's enough Vanity Fair talk. Uh, let's, let's dive into this episode. So Tyler, you want to uh, get, you want to do some film trivia? Sure. Yeah. So uh, usually I put together four pieces of trivia and make up one completely about our main film. But uh, turns out this movie, uh, this tends to be the case with a lot of these like flop movies that where the trivia around them. Hey, 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 flop. <laughs> financial, <laughs> financial flop. Financial flop. Uh, they, they tend to have really lame trivia. So we're going to just, we're just going to go, go for it. And uh, we're instead, we're instead going to do anachronisms. So um, in case you don't know the word anachronism, it is mistakes in films based on the period that the movie w- is placed in. Mm. So it's it's things oh, that shit. would not have existed at that time period, but the filmmakers didn't know that or were lazy or whatever and put it in anyways. So uh, the film <laughs> takes place in 1873, uh, but these four things may or may not have been mistakes. you got to figure out which one I've made up. So number one, when dynamite is about to be lit, they grab a matchbox made of cardboard. However, matchboxes were made with, of wood until the early 1940s. Number two, Dollarhide gives a knife to young Emmett that he claims he obtained as a boy. The knife is obviously stainless steel. Stainless steel wasn't invented until 1904 and didn't become available to the public until decades after that. Number three, the six-pointed sheriff's badge star worn by Keith Carradine's character did not come into fashion until it was widely used in later Western films. Sheriffs of the time period used a simple silver circle with a five-pointed star etched in the middle. And number four, when Jake Lonergan asked Sheriff Taggart what he was being charged with, one of his charges is hijacking, a word coined in the 1920s. All right, Troy, as our guest, you have the honor of going first and guessing which one I've made up. Hmm. I want to say the cardboard one, the matchbook. Is the All fake right. one for no no other reason <laughs> than the fact that uh, I don't know if you can prove that his knife was stainless steel. Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> so wait, so that would that would be the fake one then? 
Okay. Wait a minute. <laughs> All right, so you're changing your answer. The stainless steel I'm one. I'm changing my answer to the knife. Okay. <laughs> okay. okay. All right, Neil, uh, Neil, what do you think? Well, I was going to say the matchbox, and it looks like my option just opened back up. I'm saying the matchbox. All right, oh, Ben? Oh, you should have uh, picked the knife. <laughs> um, I'll pick a different one as well, and I'll go with the sheriff's badge. All right, we'll take them in order. Number one, dynamite. They tried to light it with a match from a cardboard matchbox, and this is incorrect. Yes, the matchboxes of the time period were made of wood. So that is okay. a true. Uh, it's, this is confusing, but <laughs> this is a true falsehood. falsehood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they had uh, they had wooden matchboxes back then, so that one was uh, a mistake. Uh, then number two, the knife is obviously stainless steel, and stainless steel wasn't invented until 1904. That was incorrect as well. Yes, that was a thing that was put in the movie that uh, was not correct at the time period. <laughs> and so, Ben, you were correct. That one about the sheriff's badge, I made up completely. Uh, the six-pointed sheriff's badge was used in the time period and was common for many sheriffs uh, in the Wild West. And the reason being, it was a very simple shape to make by just overlaying two triangles of metal uh, uh, sure. to make the six-pointed star. Um, which means that the last one was also an anachronism. The term hijacking did not exist back then. Uh, so, yeah. Um, and also, another anachronism that I didn't put on the list, uh, aliens were not contacted <laughs> back in the Wild West. That you know of. <laughs> that we know of. Yeah, <laughs> they were not good what? historians back then, so a lot of shake. <laughs> <laughs> well, after our uh, trivia, I feel like I would have done better what? than that if I listened to the rules. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping that one of his answers would just be like a bracelet that's a laser gun. I, I almost like, did ah, it. I, I almost did it. <laughs> yeah, laser guns don't work that. Way, <laughs> yeah, they're all handheld back in the West. You don't wear them on your wrist. <laughs> uh, uh, so that uh, leads us into uh, some box office stuff. So we're talking about Cowboys and Aliens from 2011. It had an earliest release date of July 29th. Summer release has a PG-13 rating. It's an hour and 59 minutes long. So this had a budget of 163 million million dollars now worldwide this movie has just made that back at just 174 back. has made a hundred yeah just yesterday made it back because i had to rent it for 99 cents so uh that revival screening we, really bumped it up <laughs> we all don't own this movie on blu-ray or anything like that um that's a shout out to something that wasn't recorded so that makes no sense <laughs> I'm still gonna ask him that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. So, uh, it's made 174.8 million dollars currently. So, uh, 
not the best. It's domestic. Um, <laughs> it's a hundred million dollars. Its opening was thirty six million dollars. Like, yeah, I. <laughs> uh, if you factor in marketing, this thing is a is in the toilet. Put it in the toilet. So, guys, uh, so the reason um, why why it bombed so hard. Uh, is maybe the quality of the movie, but also, uh, <laughs> do you have? Um, I know you all, you always list off like other movies that came out this year, but do you yeah. have like um, movies that it was like directly competing against? Because I do. <laughs> so I remember okay. this this summer was like packed with specifically comic book movies or like comic book adjacent movies, and. Everyone, everyone's belly was full. No, no one needed this movie. <laughs> yeah, we had movies like uh, Captain America, the first Avenger, Thor, the second part of the Deathly Hallows for Harry Potter. Ooh. The movie I recommended last episode, Drive. Um, yeah, those were some uh, X-Men first class. It was, yeah, super comic book heavy. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo mm. remake. The Artist. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, the Artist. artist. <laughs> the, the Artist. The winner of Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Green Lantern came out. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's probably what it Dude, was. I bet Green Lantern definitely made more money than this movie. Does anybody else oh, know what movie came out the same weekend that almost beat this movie? Oh, no. Oh, oh God. Know. The Smurfs. <laughs> <laughs> they, the early projections showed that the Smurfs beat this movie uh, for the, the weekend grossing, opening weekend gross. And then, like, two days later, they corrected it to show that uh, Cowboys and Aliens actually did win, but only by, like, a couple hundred thousand dollars. Oof. <laughs> the, uh, Harrison Ford appeared on The Late Show and ripped the head off a Smurf's doll. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds like him. Yeah. What a weird, like, stoking the flames, like, <laughs> yeah. just forcing a rivalry to happen. Yeah, they thought they could yeah, uh, drum up some kids movie. interest. <laughs> <laughs> wild. That is wild. Um, all right. Any more? Any more box office, Neil? Yeah, Green Lantern. <laughs> you have a larger domestic opening at fifty-three million oh, uh, rather than thirty-six. However, it also cost like forty million more dollars. Mm. So, but it's made actually less of its money back. <laughs> so the budget for that one was $200 million and has only made $219 million. Oh, wow. Jesus. So Cow Cowboys and Aliens was more profitable in the long run. Wow. <laughs> Weirdly. <laughs> My oh, word. Shit. I don't remember this movie doing that bad, but maybe it's just because I... Went to it twice in theaters and thought it was awesome. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I'm, we're gonna get to that. We're gonna get to that little question right there. Um, all right, let's let's dive into let's dive into this movie. So, uh, Troy, um, as before, you uh, you said that you were on this podcast uh, to talk about Bright. Um, yeah, and I was wondering. You picked you picked Cowboys and Aliens, 
And I just feel bad because you you picked two or well, you didn't pick Bright, but you were on this podcast talking about two, uh, in my opinion, pretty two pretty bad movies. So uh, I'm just curious. uh, Why did you pick Cowboys and Aliens? Uh, I picked Cowboys and Aliens because it was the first Blu-ray I ever owned. Solid and for choice. whatever reason, it was going to get me back maybe to revisit the movie again because I haven't watched it since I first got it. And I think I got it as a gift anyway. I didn't like go out mm. and seek it. But then I went to go look for it. And I didn't even fucking find it. So I ended up having to pay to watch this anyway. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because I couldn't find a free stream of it on YouTube. I couldn't find it anywhere. uh, Wow. So do you think you just like sold it at one point or just like. I'm fairly certain a man named Skinny came to my house and bought it at a yard sale. (laughs) (laughs) It's <laughs> the weirdest sentence I've ever heard. <laughs> this is a, definitely a yard sale movie. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, for and sure. a guy named Skinny definitely buys things at a yard sale. I also Absolutely. bought my rental at a yard sale. Your rental? <laughs> oh, your rental of wait, your rental of this movie, yeah. or your like house rental? <laughs> I rented this movie. In a Wild yard? And a <laughs> um, uh, so, uh, what, Troy, what are your thoughts on uh, what are your thoughts on this movie? Before I get to the movie, why don't I tell you a little bit of backstory? Because I actually read the comic of this in preparation for the show. Mm. Oh, nice. Whoa. Because this is based on a graphic novel. So I went and found it on Comixology. Uh, it's the book of the same name, written, oh, actually created by Scott Mitchell Rosenberg, who actually owns Platinum Studios, who produced this movie, along with the 600 other production studios that <laughs> produce this movie. It's Takes written by Fred Van Lente and Andrew Foley, art by Dennis Kaleo and Luciano Lima. Uh, it was published by Platinum Studios in 2006, but it was created in 1997 by uh, Scott Rosenberg, and he was pitching it around movie studios and stuff. Hmm. And DreamWorks Universal ended up buying the pitch in in uh, 97, right? Didn't do anything with it. And so because of the comic... Uh, well, it, it wasn't even 2008 when Iron Man came out yet. So, like, it was 2006 when he was like, well, we're trying to get, like, some of our own comic studio kind of getting going. Because I also, at one point, owned Malibu Comics, which owned Men in Black, which was also a movie. Mm-hmm. And then they also had another comic property that was a, a movie as well. But it, it's, like, escaped me right now. So, so you skip so- – they- uh, I don't know if you get into this, but I believe this was also a comic book that um, when the rights were sold, it was made into a comic book almost as like a proof of concept. Is that correct? Yeah, but like <laughs> almost like nine years later. Yeah, because it was already sold to Universal DreamWorks. And so then 
uh, Scott Rosenberg was like, hey, make this comic, Fred Van Lenty. And he's like, OK, rush it through production. And then to make it appear as like a big seller, Platinum Studios priced this 105 page book at five dollars and then had some deal with Diamond Distributor where they put it on the front page of their, their catalog and then also gave <laughs> distributors a huge discount if they bought in bulk, which mm. also went towards sale numbers, so they could say that this movie was based on a high-selling comic book. What the when fuck? When this book sucks fucking ass. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, good. I, yeah. So, yeah, this is what I want to know. Just your thoughts on the comic book, because I, I read the comic book uh, when this, before this movie came out, and I don't mm-hmm. remember anything about it. And that it's could completely be... forgettable. Yeah, <laughs> it is the lowest common denominator anything that happens in this. So like, there's there's only two things in the book that I think are kind of fun, and the one they play right at the beginning with like manifest destiny and like the white man taking over like the Native American lands, and then on the alien flip side is the aliens trying to take over like the planet. So Mm. it's like kind of like a weird dichotomy. I'm like, okay, if they played with that idea a little more, I would have liked it. But then it's just like an alien invasion and there's like some alien general and he just wants to kill people for nothing. And like, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. And then at the at some point they have like a spaceship battle during some, I don't know, somewhere in the middle of the book. They end up shooting down a spaceship with, I don't know, a shotgun or a cannon. I can't remember what it was. And they extract this metal that like levitates and they give it to this blacksmith to do something with to fight like back with the aliens. And he's like, I can't come up with anything, blah, 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 blah. And so they're at like the last part of the battle. The heroes are dead to rights by the aliens. And then all of a sudden at the very end, this cavalry of flying horses because he made horseshoes out of this levitating metal. So all the horses could gallop in the air. And I'm like, that's kind of a cool idea. At least the coolest one in this book. And then that's it. I actually wanted like that to happen in the movie because I completely forgot about anything in this movie. And it, that also did not happen. So <laughs> I'd like I th- to, So the source I think material would have happened in the movie. It would have been a weird thing to happen. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to see anyway. like real horses like levitating <laughs> because of horseshoes. Right. So you're saying the source material is completely um, forgettable and not worth your Completely. time, but surely the adaptation, they found something, <laughs> something in this source material that was just so beautiful that they just had to put it on screen. Right. Uh, no, <laughs> this, this movie is in name only a reference to the book. Otherwise it's almost completely different. Even the main characters' names are different. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I think he, well, I mean, I don't even remember the comic book, but I think almost all the characters are new, right? Um, yeah. They were going to have, I guess, Robert Downey Jr. was going to be the main lead in this or somebody else. Maybe it wasn't RDJ. And it was going to be the character from the book. But then they, they got Daniel Craig instead and they just called him something else <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> not that it mattered at all. But no, yeah. absolutely not. Yeah, of course, this is John Favreau, um, who's like hot off of Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And yeah, who, that we're both very successful movies. 
Um, and yeah, this is like, this movie is just such a whimper. There's nothing good about it. And it is, um, it is so forgettable because it's, it almost seems like it's trying to be forgettable. It doesn't, it doesn't, it feels like it doesn't even attempt to do anything at all. Um, with both both of its kind of genre mashups, which is being a Western, but also kind of an alien invasion movie. And it it really is just kind of just a slow exhale of, <laughs> of whatever yeah. this is. The whole, the whole movie farts. is just... <laughs> it's not even hot. It's just like a lukewarm milk fart. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't really shoot for the fences or anything like that, but there are some things in it I kind of like, but it doesn't do anything for the movie. Yeah, same. <laughs> like you get, remember when that guy just tried to shit in the river? Yeah, that was pretty funny. He just totally <laughs> drops his pants. You're like, he's gonna shit in that river. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That was yeah. pretty great. This was. <laughs> this is one of those uh, movies. Tyler. Yes. So this is one of those movies where um, it's so mediocre that it really just makes me mad because the premise is so like rich that this these creators have ruined it for anyone else. Like the (laughs) true. Yeah. (laughs) The material, the like the premise is is something that could be cool, right? Like I'm, yeah, I'm reminded I completely agree. I'm reminded of like, um, 10 Cloverfield lane or something like that. Right. Where it's just like a mashup of two completely different things that is like completely out of left field ha- has a potential to do something really different and fun and cool. And, but it just like, like you said, there, there's really no structure to this other than, literally the title cowboys and aliens like that they didn't go any further than that right so mm-hmm. it, it just it's so disappointing whenever you see a movie where you're just like oh shit no one's ever done that that could be cool and then you're just left like really sad because now they've fucking poisoned the well for everybody else who would want to do something cool with that idea Mm-hmm. Yeah, just look at John Carter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which I would argue is better than this movie because at least it's bonkers. Like I would agree it is better than this movie. <laughs> uh, so, Tyler, um, you saw this twice in yeah. theaters. <laughs> that, Explain that, yourself. That was a, a bit of a uh, misleading statement because I, uh, at the time, my wife, uh, early on in our marriage, she was taking internships around the country because we were having difficulty finding a full-time job for her. And so we were separated uh, while she was working her internship, uh, probably in Mississippi, I think. And I promised her I'd go see this movie with her when she got back, when, when she was finished. And I cheated and went to go see it without her and then when she came back I had to pretend I hadn't seen it and I went to go see it with her again oh my god and I couldn't like tell her it was shitty and we shouldn't go see it because then I would have revealed that I went to go see it without her so but but then you you didn't tell her that it was shitty to save her from watching a shitty movie right so like yes I mean although it ended up working out because she likes it so (laughs) 
Okay. Okay. Um, man, that's hilarious. I love that story. I love that those kind of stories because, like, uh, like when the Force Awakens came out, there was all like Star Wars is back. Like it's it's such a huge event, and you hear about all these couples that are like all right we're gonna see it together but like one of them can't see it for like one month or two months and then of course like the other the person who can see it you know goes and sees it um but that was star wars (laughs) you pulled pulled it on cowboys and aliens which just just so i i will say i'm probably gonna from the sounds of it, I'm going to say I like this movie better than the rest of you, uh, but that doesn't make it a good movie. <laughs> I want to tell you how my viewing experience started. So luckily, this was only like 99 cents to rent. So it wasn't like that. It's not like we had to go buy the movie or anything like that, because I was worried that that would have to be the case. Um, so the second the universal logo comes up and I don't know if this was for your viewing too, but in the, the stream I watched of it, the universal logo comes up and the DreamWorks theme played. And then when the DreamWorks logo came up, the Universal <laughs> Studios theme oh, played. Really? And I was Whoa. like, what? <laughs> I, did, like, I don't know was... if I know those, those tunes well enough to even notice it. It was bizarre. That's so, so funny. <laughs> 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 yeah. Imagine that as a kid is fishing off a big D. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was so bizarre. Like, I actually had to pause it and be like, did that actually just happen? And is this going to taint the rest of the experience? It did. So like you're watching it did. All downhill from there. It's like when you're watching a YouTube tutorial and their like Windows background notifications are going on in the video, and you're like, "Is that my computer?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so true. I, I must say, did, it, did huh? it ruin? Did it ruin my viewing experience? Narrator, it did. It did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Neil, you did not like this movie. Uh no. <laughs> not really. Um I think the last half is really dumb and I hated it. But like I have to say the first like 15 minutes that's essentially just a western is actually pretty good. I will give it that much. Like just a guy who wakes up, doesn't know who he is, wanders into the closest town and it's just like causing havoc. And then they want to send him off to like this thing. Like I thought that was actually really well done. And And then like all the alien stuff happens and you're uh, it just kind of starts falling to pieces. Yeah, I think everything, everything up to and immediately following the actual like alien spaceship attack on this town is actually pretty good. Uh, I would agree. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Say that again. You said (laughs) leading up to the uh, alien attack? And and including. I I think that that first alien attack is actually pretty legit fun and, like, campy. I think the part about that that I like the most is that it, like, straight up just looks like 1950s-style, like, energy beams and lights in the sky and stuff. Like, that's some fun shit. Yeah. I did appreciate that I... 
I think all of that was practical effects. Oh, like, really? That's the cool. The explosions are definitely yeah, like real yeah. explosions. And I think even the lights were explosions. See, that's, that's pretty rad. I, I, yeah. I thought all that was really well done. Yeah, I would agree yeah, with I, you. Yeah, I think... I would agree that I, I have it written down that like I was kind of into the beginning of this. But there, I can tell you the exact point where I'm like... All right, fuck this movie. <laughs> What's that? Well, it'll, it'll get. Well, I'll get to it further down because I will. I'll get to it naturally. Okay. Here. All right. Um. I, I like the. I mean, the, even the mystery box element of having that weird thing clasped around his wrist at the very beginning, like that cold open of like him waking up, having this thing strapped to his wrist, not know who he is, and then like these weird Wild West dudes like pondering if they should bring him in for a bounty like that's a it's a pretty great opener and it, it sets up this potential that just never really pays off and the slow yeah. reveal of like Paul Dano's character that the like shitty kid who's yeah. just like bullying everyone and then the slow reveal of like who Daniel Craig is how he's like a wanted man mm-hmm. and he stole mm-hmm. gold and then maybe killed someone um yeah, I th- yeah, I would agree. That's quite good. The first the best, ten minutes the of this best. movie are pretty solid. <laughs> yeah, and has the best bartender in the world, yes. if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sam Rockwell playing it awesome as always. Playing Doc, which is yeah. a great yeah. like just old west name. Just Doc. But is he? But is he a doctor? Nope. No. <laughs> Are you sure? So. Because uh, don't they ask oh. like a few times, like if their vitals are okay, <laughs> like oh, later maybe. on in the movie? Yeah. Oh, uh, they ask. They ask him that. Yeah, I like, guess. D- I don't. Does, don't know. I don't know. Maybe. I I thought he like was like a legit doctor that also was a bartender, <laughs> even though Clancy Brown sewed up <laughs> Daniel Craig <laughs> earlier on, and he's a preacher. So maybe Nobody's everyone's hands on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is late. This that's the big twist of this movie that it's late stage capitalism and everyone has a side job. <laughs> oh, you're a doctor that can't pay your bills? Better open up a bar. Oh, you're a preacher and your church is about to get shut down? Better learn. Better be a doctor. Better be a doctor. <laughs> So, uh, hold on, but this movie does do the egregious thing where at the very beginning, even though I like the beginning, like when Daniel Craig spears that guy off a horse and just like takes out everybody, but he does that thing where he takes everybody else's clothes and then they fit him like a glove and look super handsome. Yes. Like, that's awesome. Like, come on. I, I know it's awesome and I like it every time it happens, but I'm just like, okay, come on. Yeah. He's like size up his foot to the bottom of a boot and he stands up and he's like svelte as shit. They should have done the, um, what Austin Powers does where it's obviously they're like completely different body types and then he puts his clothes on and it's like, Taylor fit to him. <laughs> um, Daniel Craig should explain a lot about why my wife likes this movie, though. 
Oh yeah. Mm, he, got it. Yeah, yeah. He he flip he does that old west thing where he flips his like six shooter, like he spins it around yeah, and man. puts it in his holster. He does it like seven or eight times in this movie for kind of no reason. <laughs> And well, the reason is that it's fucking cool. (laughs) He looks really cool in like a cowboy getup. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, do you do we want to run down the rest of this plot, or I kind of want to just read the cast list because I think (laughs) I think the the most pretty great the. The biggest sin that this movie makes is that it has one of the best casts, I think, of all time. And <laughs> yeah, I would say I would, every would single agree. one is wasted. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, uh, except for except for Clancy Brown, uh, who we we just mentioned as the uh, the preacher slash doctor slash doctor. <laughs> Um, shout out to Abigail Spencer, who plays Daniel Craig's wife, who gets like fridged like seven times in this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and also doesn't, uh, I actually, I wonder, um, She's mostly a TV actress, and she plays. She's in Mad Men for like four or five episodes, and I feel like this is before Mad Men. But um, yeah, she's also in the one of my favorite shows of all time, Rectify. Yes, yes, <laughs> that is a. She's uh, Rectify is so good. Yeah. Um. Uh, also. Oh, she's also not a TV show that is not as good as Rectify, but um, I it is a really fun, like wacky show. It's called Timeless. Uh, have you guys heard of this show? No. Uh, it is yes. a time travel show <laughs> that I believe there is like a time travel, like government organization, and they hire like professors to go back in time and like uh there's like someone that is like trying to like like stop i think one of the first episodes is there's someone going back in time to stop the hindenburg from blowing up and they have to like make sure it blows up right so because like it's a wild show timeless look it up interesting Uh, Okay. All right. Um, Paul Dano is in this movie, and I think he he gets an incredible scene of him just like wrecking havoc on that town, um, mm-hmm. and he takes a punch in the face, or, or no, a punch in the nuts from da- not a punch, a uh, <laughs> a knee, a knee into the nuts, and he's quite good in that scene. You get that like Paul Dano craziness that I feel like we don't really get a lot. It's basically mm-hmm. that, and then like um, uh, "There Will Be Blood" is yeah. a, another amazing performance. Um, uh, then yeah, Sam Rockwell again, who um, is such an incredible actor. And 
it's just kind of, I mean, he's one of the better characters, but mm-hmm. just kind of nothing. It, it almost feels like he didn't like it. He was really against what his character was doing. <laughs> like, I don't know. It felt yeah. like every time the camera was on to him, he was like trying to do something more than what was written on the page. And they let the camera roll. But it just it just wasn't working because they t- gave him so little to work with. Yeah. Yeah. He, I like that they gave him like the Sam Rockwell lines though. Like he had a couple in here that were pretty good. My favorite one he ever says is like it's it's towards like the middle when they're all like walking like to find the aliens mm-hmm. and there's a big boat out in the middle of nowhere and he's like well, I don't know much about boats but I think that one's upside down like it's just like fantastic delivery for no reason it's just fantastic and I love Sam Rockwell for those very reasons yeah oh my god there, I wish there was just more of that like I wish it leaned into the like playing on the fact that this is a funny a funny concept right like it, it's a mm-hmm. ridiculous idea like it, you don't have to play it so straight all the time like they kind of played it like a marvel movie where like marvel movies are pretty serious most of the time and then they just interject jokes throughout to yeah. add a bit of levity but like this mm-hmm. this movie should have been funnier because it's just it's absurd right and there should have been right. more of that absurdity throughout well, I was actually reading up on that and like they were told to play it straight because they thought if it was too campy, it would be it'd come off as hokey or whatever. They were afraid like, of it okay. being Wild Wild West, I think, is what they were afraid of. Well, yeah, well, they don't have to lean that hard into a Jesus. <laughs> they should have, man. This movie, this this movie needed a giant mechanical spider. That's what it needed. It needed a, a, a breast of fresh ass. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um but but they'd also had like a bunch of names stacked behind the camera too because yeah. it had favreau as uh director and exec producer it had brian grazer and ron howard who was from imagine entertainment who was also producing this it also had steven spielberg and alex kurtzman like big names this had to have been a money laundering this. front Right. Like, (laughs) I guess. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that that's they're all producers because they're like production. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They just kind of threw some money at it because they're like, yeah, this is a good idea. And let's get this movie made. Um, It's when I was reading through trivia, it said that Steven Spielberg personally screened uh, Close Encounters with the Third Kind to help the filmmakers and actors like get into uh, an uh, like uh, emotionally into this alien idea I, yeah. and it's like what I think the he fuck? does that for every movie though probably I, but I, just I, yeah it just makes it, it but that kind of calls into question the whole approach right like why why did they take such a self-serious mm. look at this you know I, I so um the big problem that I had in this movie is that so like the main plot is everyone has someone that gets kidnapped from this yeah. f- f- uh, by these aliens. And so like the thrust is that they're like, all right, let's just team up and we'll all go get everyone. Like we're, we're all in the same boat. So we might as well help each other. But every character in this movie hates all the other characters. So <laughs> there is just no joy at all to watch these characters do anything. And I, 
I think that is the problem. That if this was a super wacky movie, it still would have sucked just because all these characters suck and yeah. it's not fun to watch them. <laughs> and so yeah. as far as like big ensembles go, like what I've noticed too is that probably like three or four times in this movie people get surrounded by another group of large <laughs> people. Like every time, every time some group sets out, they get surrounded by something else that hates them. So it's like, Christ, and that happens like four times. Yeah. I'm like, these people need to be more careful of where they're going. All right, uh, let's talk about the two actors we haven't, I don't think we've touched on at all in this. And the first one is Olivia Wilde, who <laughs> plays an alien in this movie and is also like the love interest to Daniel Craig. And that's like so many movies do this where the main character has a dead wife and then he falls in love with another character during the course of the movie. And it's just kind of like that whole, uh, that the whole like love the like the love arc of this movie is so forced that you could probably convince me that it was it didn't even happen you know like that's <laughs> it was I, very I, yeah. it, it was very forced and it it almost like started out of nowhere like just because they just decided to kill off her character um for like 4 minutes and they were like, well, he needs to, like, want to bang her, like, in this scene when she <laughs> dies. So, uh, so it, it, like, there's some, at least some emotional, like, weight to her dying. And then she just, like, fucking comes back from, like, a campfire. And it's like. <laughs> that was the point where I was like, fuck this movie. Yeah, that was <laughs> it. Yep, that was it. That's definitely it. it. So, that, that, like. I don't know, twist or reveal that she's an alien is just so it's like looking down on the audience. It It is not, it's not a reveal that sparks joy or like is a shock. It's just like, man, you're so dumb because this chick was an alien the whole time. And, oh, and now it's she's also, back. And it's just frustrating too, because for, for an, a movie that is like, doing something that you've never seen before aliens and cowboys together like the idea of aliens visiting at different time periods in history is a fascinating idea but mm -hmm. then yes. they use the same recycled plots from other alien movies like how many alien invasion movies have you seen where it's like the evil aliens that are the big bad force and then there's a couple good aliens that are trying to help the humans like that happens mm -hmm. so fucking often and it's like why why bother using the same plot from another alien like other alien movies when you have such a like different setting and different things that you could do here yeah this whole movie is so unbelievably lazy it's yeah. i it's mind-boggling all right the second actor is harrison ford um, <laughs> so we talked about we talked about him playing a villain um in what lies beneath and how it just like doesn't work at all um, he's not technically a villain in this movie, but he is like, he is like a bad guy. He's the black hat that like doesn't care about anyone. And then like 
at the end of the movie, he like learns to like kind of be a good citizen and it just does not work. Harrison no. Ford is just not good in this movie. And, um, so I thought I agree. I agree. Kind of agree with you, but as far as him being like him in the beginning, like that first 15 minutes, I think he's, I thought he was doing pretty good. Right, like he is not he in the first off, 15 minutes of this movie. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck, whichever, like the first scene you gotcha, see him in yeah. where he's like gonna, where he's going to pull that guy in half with horses. Mm. Like, uh, like I actually thought he was doing pretty good. Like not as like, a mustache twirling bad guy, but as a guy who just wants to get his way and like kind of just get his asshole son out of like trouble. Like I thought he was doing okay, but like he turns face real easily. Yeah. I think so. Like oh, yeah. he doesn't have much like depth well, to that yeah. character. Yeah. But it was it was really satisfying when he rides into town at night to break out his son, and you're like, ugh, this is gonna be lame. And then he's his son's like, Pa, get me out of here, and he's like, You shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I wish he was more of a dick to his son. Yeah, to be perfectly honest. I would have yeah. loved Paul Dano just to be this pathetic like loser, and his dad is just like, shut up, you idiot! Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah. I'll kick your ass when we get home or whatever it is. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I really love that sequence where uh Daniel Craig is it, chained to him in the, the turned over coach. And he's like, Give me your hand, I can get us out of here. G- give me your hand. And he just like breaks his fucking hand and pulls. <laughs> <laughs> That's another thing that Paul Dano is good at is just being in pain. Just yeah. that guy who has just got his arm just snapped in half and is well, just in and pain. After that sequence, like they they make this just bizarre decision to completely ice him for the rest of the movie when he's the most interesting mm-hmm. character so far that's gone head to head with their main mm-hmm. character. Like why yeah. do you remove the one character that you have an interesting rapport with now? And it's now they're just gone. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the sequence when he like grabs him through the bars in the jail cell and slams his face into the like it's so good and And then then, like he falls into his bucket of yeah it's so good (laughs) and then he's just gone the whole rest of the movie until literally the end Mm -hmm, yeah so disappointing um yeah that's a there's like a full hour of this movie that has just been taken out because yeah every single character has um they have a reason to like save these like hostages and, but they're all like loosely touched on like the, the share or the kid who's in there. Um, who's not, who's Noah ringer who I think is fresh off of, uh, the last airbender. Um, boy. Oh boy. That Shyamalan <laughs> movie, uh, that we all remember, of course. Um, he, <laughs> His uh, the sheriff who is like his grandfather or something is like he's like your dad's coming back. Don't worry. Oh, and your mom's buried in the cemetery. And it's like, <laughs> oh, wow. All right. Let's just speed through this character development. <laughs> it is. And then like uh, Sam Rockwell gets the same thing where his like wife. There's like this weird thing of like, oh, owning a bar was your dream. 
And he's like, oh, I thought it was our <laughs> dream. And it's like, okay, marital tension, check. Like, it's every character gets this scene where it's like, all right, this is your character and this is your motivation. All right, let's let's get moving. And it's that like seven times. And it's like, I was like, ah, oh, there's nothing to latch on to in this movie. And what's mm-hmm. funny about that, too, is that in the end, it wraps it up all in a bow by making everyone forget all of the <laughs> problems altogether. <laughs> it, actually, it actually reminds me of another alien invasion movie, uh, Battle Los Angeles. You guys remember this movie? Uh, yeah, I did not see it, though. Yeah, uh, it, it's I not barely remember. It's it. not bad, but it, it's similar in the same way. We're like. At the very beginning, we have like 20, 15, 20 minutes of exposition to like introduce us to the one thing about each of these characters. And then they're off on their alien hunting adventure. It's just so many movies. It's just like I don't really need to care about all these other side characters by making them have some like focus (laughs) for a certain amount of time. Like just stick to the one character that's working, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's funny, because Clancy Brown doesn't get anything. He he gets no character development. He's just the one guy who's nice to everyone. Mm-hmm. And then... And then gets yeah. stabbed in his guts yeah. and dies. <laughs> um, the other thing, uh, let's touch upon like the final like action set piece, which I thought was uh, pretty hilarious, actually. Um So the big plan is that Daniel Craig and Olivia Wilde are going to sneak into the alien spaceship and save the hostages and then blow it up. And everyone else is going to start uh, a distraction by basically just like uh, getting all the aliens out of the ship and then just shooting them, having a big gunfight. And I loved that um, (laughs) they... Right when the aliens come out, they just start murdering everyone. Like it is, they are not having a a problem, just like running up to all these cowboys and just ripping their faces off. And I thought it was, it's just like, it's so bad because it's supposed to be horrifying, but it is one of those things where they set up earlier in the movie that they run into an alien and they shoot the alien several times and it does nothing. And then their big plan at the end of the movie is to just like shoot the aliens. And it's yeah. like, this it's like you're all are dumb and you're getting murdered for it. And it's great. This needed to be, it needed to be rated R and be like starship troopers level, level insane aliens ripping people apart. Shit. Like, uh, yeah. Cause it was I so, mean, it was just boring to watch. Yeah. This movie needed to be literally anything else. Like, (laughs) (laughs) you know what a part is? It was like right kind of before this where it's like the Olivia Wilde, like fire resurrection scene. She like comes up to Daniel Craig and is like, sorry, I should have told you. And I want to be like, yeah, bitch, you should have the whole fucking movie. You idiot. The whole time you try to come up to Daniel Craig and like try to not say it. (laughs) 
Like that's what your whole <laughs> shtick is until you need the audience to know what it yeah. is. And it's so fucking annoying that I see you at the end of this movie take his bracelet off and arm it like a nuclear weapon when you could just been like, oh my I'm going to fucking rental this guy unconscious to chop off his arm and then just save the day. It's fucking dire here, bitch. What are you for? Yeah, I love that she's like, she also, she's an alien that has like no powers. Like we never figure out what she can do as an alien, except she can definitely resurrect herself. Um, yeah. So that's it. So like she's she like this sure she could. fire genasi <laughs> that can like reborn from um from a campfire, but like does she have fire powers? Can she fly? Can she teleport? Who fucking knows? Uh, probably, <laughs> obviously not. She can't do anything. Uh, oh, and then that bracelet is so dumb because I love that there it turn it randomly turns on and. There was a couple times where I thought it was because an alien was close, but it definitely like randomly turns on uh, when they're just like, like when they're with that like bandit group. Uh, yeah. And then I love how it's like at the end, it's like, yeah, you can take it off. You just have to like free your mind. And it's like, so he definitely was asleep a few times and it didn't come off then. <laughs> Too much on his mind, Too man. Too much on his mind, I guess. Yeah. And what's you, funny is at the beginning, I'm sure <laughs> at the beginning when he was trying to get it off, I bet the only thing running through his mind was, I hope this thing comes off <laughs> and it doesn't. <laughs> so. Spoiler <laughs> <Alex>. um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then Chinese finger trap. I love how it's just a bomb too. Like she's yeah. like, yeah, I'm gonna press yeah. this thing; it's gonna explode. It's, it's like what a terrible design. Movie. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then if you even like think about it, so like he got it from the alien who was doing like an autopsy on him. Like, what's it supposed to be for? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's powerful enough to shoot down one of their own starships. Like, what the fuck is this thing? Like, why? Yeah. At some point, well, they when they are doing the attack um, on the ship. There's one of the aliens comes out with like a fucking mega ass version of that. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, what can that thing take out? <laughs> like, why yeah. do you use that against human beings like little squishy meat sacks when you've got those handheld ones? That That is a good point, though, that that surge. Well, obviously, the aliens have to double dip with that capitalism, too, because that guy's like, well, let me just put my gun here and then do surgery on this guy. Yeah. Let me just put my gun right next to him. <laughs> He probably won't get it. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, he probably won't accidentally touch it. Um, all right, we've been talking about this movie for way too long. So, uh, anything else, or uh, let's get into final thoughts. Um, I, I think we can go into yeah. All right, for every movie, uh, yeah, for every movie, we give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrisons. Uh, so Troy, what is your final thoughts? Well, so in the watch through that I had, I would say that this movie isn't like egregiously bad. It's just so middling that it's forgettable and that's almost worse. But I, I, so I think I'm going to go like a two, two out of five. Because there's some things in it I did like. 
Um, okay. And I actually did actually like the soundtrack, and I forgot to bring that up. I thought the soundtrack was pretty good. Old twangy mm-hmm. westerny themes. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty 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 nice. Playing a lot of Red oh, yeah. Dead guys, so I'm into it. Okay, Neil, your final thoughts. Absolutely. Uh, so it had some it had a, a, a promising start. We'll say that then like alien shit started hitting the fan and it just got real muddy and no character development whatsoever. And if there's one thing that I'm and maybe this isn't the movie to have like approached this with, but like I hate when like aliens that are civilized enough to go from one planet to another are just like beasts and dumb (laughs) and like they're smart enough to like do want to do surgery and do like alchemy on whatever the whatever they want this gold for for some reason (laughs) but but, uh, then like they're just big dumb animals like if you want to do that have them have like like uh, like Avengers Endgame did it where like they had all those like rabid animal dog things but there was also a group of very intelligent ones leading them like have something like that but it's not have them all just be this big dumb monster Mm -hmm. type thing like that just it never that just doesn't resonate with me anymore like because like I even look at the human race granted we're all probably going to be doomed anyway (laughs) whatever but like (laughs) I think I feel a bloody cough coming on (laughs) (laughs) oh god no (laughs) Uh, but uh like I like we're civilized enough and uh, like we can't even get to the moon again, but like these guys can like go anywhere they want and they're just like brutes. It just makes no sense to me anymore. But like so, but that's neither here nor there. This is another gripe with the movie. <laughs> At least but, our surgeons keep our guns out of the operating yeah, room. Exactly. <laughs> well, maybe not in the south, but <laughs> yeah, not some of those open carry states. We don't know. Hey, uh, a good doctor with a gun will always stop a bad doctor with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, very good. Uh, I'm gonna give this. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm gonna give it one and a half uh harrison harrison ford like we're even forgetting just to bring him up in general because he's like just a nothing to this pretty much so i'm giving it 1.5 i wouldn't waste your time like troy said it's just too middling to be worth it Mm. all right tyler uh, yeah, like I said, I I think I do like this movie a little bit better than you guys, just because I I I like to acknowledge the like the craftsmanship behind some of the filmmaking here. Like, there's some there's some real effort put in here, and on the part of all the actors, crew, and creatively, but just they just did not find a way to bring everything together in it into anything that was meaningful or that you would remember. Um, I, I'm going to give this 2.5 Harrison's out of five, mostly as a, um, let's just call it like a, a creative writing prompt. Watch it up until they start to form the posse to go out and get the aliens and just stop and then write your own ending. <laughs> uh, because that would be a better movie pretty much by any measure. Um, 
it just it sucks. I, I it just sucks that when <laughs> when like a a cool concept gets just shit out. Um. So yeah, uh, I'm disappointed. But for for all the the cool elements that are there, the early humor and character uh, characters playing off one another at the beginning, uh, I do think it's worth a watch. But it's it's just absolutely average. Two point five. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give this a one out of five. Um, I think Harrison Ford is just kind of wasted in this movie. I just don't think. Uh, he's a very good, like villainous character. Um, this, yeah, it's funny. Uh, it's funny watching this movie after watching the Mandalorian, uh, which is another, uh, John Favreau joint. And he doesn't, or he didn't direct any of the Mandalorian, but I want to say he, I mean, he was the driving creative force of that show. And, that show, uh, like, if if he loves West, I don't know if John Favreau like loves westerns, but if you watch The Mandalorian, you can see the love of the western genre just seeping out of that show. And when you watch Cowboys and Aliens, it's like, okay, he's definitely seen like the good, the bad, and the ugly. But mm-hmm. that's probably it, though. <laughs> Although I would say that they both suffer from a similar problem of needing a coherent villain. Um, mm. Yes, I would disagree about The Mandalorian, though. I think right. that it benefits because it's a TV show, so it can kind of like have its villains here and there. Um, um, but yes, I think the like ultimate villain of that show doesn't show up until the last episode. Yeah. And I think because he's so that villain is so good that, um, yeah, you can maybe, maybe rewatching it, you can feel his like absence, but yeah. But Neil, what you were saying though, is true. Like the, the aliens are just an abysmal representation of a villain. Like they don't, (laughs) there's nothing to them other than gold, you know, like what the fuck is that? (laughs) Yeah. And it's a also, very, I find it weird. It's a well, I find it weird that they can make gold levitate, but they had to catch people with ropes. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it's very uh, it's They're a very Marvel them like cattle, man. That's the fun <laughs> bit. Like, <laughs> it's a very like Marvel uh, movie like way to do villains too. That it's just. Yeah. It's just a physical thing that the characters can shoot at. And it's not. They, there is, they needed they needed someone, a human who was like working with them somehow. OK, OK. You, we, we need to stop. We need to okay. stop this. <laughs> <laughs> um, you go. You can do this like what they should have done for like every single scene yeah, of this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Let's get to recommendations. Uh, for every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations on some stuff that uh, we think you should check out. So, Troy, you got a recommendation for us? Yes, uh, with the upcoming Bloodshot movie coming up starring my boy Vin <laughs> Diesel. Um, I started reading Bloodshot Reborn by Jeff Lemire, uh, which is like kind of the second kind of 
maybe like a soft relaunch from Valiant Comics, maybe around like 2015. Um, at this point, he's lost all of his like nanites in his body that make him who he is. And his mind is kind of breaking because of it. So because of this, he sees a like a cartoon animated version of himself that's like drawn in a completely different style called like blood squirt and he's like incredibly <laughs> violent and wants to like kill 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 all the time and has like a bunch of weird blood puns <laughs> but, and he's just like I know you're not real you can't tell me what to do or whatever but like shit goes down and he has to become bloodshot again and so far it's it's really good and I think it only goes for like four trades and then it would get wraps up in like a uh, like an event called like bloodshot USA or something like that but the Jeff Lemire run of it, I'm really digging so far. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeff Lemire, uh, he makes some good comics, some really good comics. He does make some good comics. Speaking of good <laughs> comics, I also want to check out Strange Adventures that just dropped yesterday. The Adam Strange uh, book from Tom King Ooh. and Mitch Jarrett's. Oh, yeah. Um, it looks pretty good. Oh, so I haven't read it yet, but. Looks great. Cool. <laughs> also, uh, you guys should read the Cowboys and Aliens comic. It's pretty great. Bestseller. Oh, no. Oh, no. So are you excited for the uh, Bloodshot movie? I kind of am. Yeah. I kind of want to see what Sony is able to do with, like, a superhero franchise. I think hey, visually, yeah, they've never done neat. one before. <laughs> um, it's coming out soon, right? Like, it's, like, next week or something, isn't it? It's pretty soon, yeah. It's sometime, yeah, sometime soon. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Sony does do the Spider-Man ones, but like with their own, <laughs> their own yeah. like little other thing over here with like a different not Marvel, mm-hmm. you know, book. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool, very cool. Uh, Neil, yeah. what about your recommendation? All right, <laughs> hear me out, guys. Oh, <laughs> right, we got to go back a couple of seasons to Will Smith. <laughs> We reviewed the first Bad Boys movie, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure we all kind of shat all over. <laughs> now we didn't. Now we didn't review Bad Boys Two, and you know it's 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 definitely a different movie. It's ramped it up. It's absolutely ridiculous. But what I'm here to talk to you guys about today is Bad Boys Three: Bad Boys for Life. Oh boy! I, <laughs> is that the official title saw, of the movie? I. Yeah. Think so. <laughs> yes, it is. They so, fucked it up. They should have used it for the fourth movie. Ah, <laughs> uh, idiots. Well, because there is a fourth movie, I think, in the works. Um, so I went and just saw, like, one of my friends who, like, loves the first Bad Boys movie for some reason was like, hey, do you want to go see this in theaters with me? I was like, yeah, I got nothing else to do. Went and saw it. And... It's actually ridiculously fun. (laughs) Like, it takes, like, everything that, like, I liked about, like, the other bad boys, like, the characters of actually Will Smith and Martin Lawrence. Like, they're both exactly, like, the same in this one. And they're incredible. Like, Martin Lawrence is a godsend. (laughs) Like, he is so funny (laughs) in this one. And, like, this movie... Like, granted, it gets a little silly and stupid towards the end, but like it, it, it's it's it, it sets up that premise that it's ridiculous anyway. So like 
<laughs> they're they're pretty much fighting like this Mexican drug cartel, and like the leader is like an actual like they call her the witch, and at the end like they meet her in this like rundown house in like Mexico City. And I legitimately thought she was gonna break out like magic. Like it was, <laughs> yeah. it's, it, it was to the point break of being that <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, like, and because they're just like, oh my god, that's the bruja, <laughs> whatever they were calling her. And like, I literally thought she was gonna like make vines come out of the floor and like tether them up and stuff. But like, that didn't happen. But like, it was to the point ridiculous enough where I thought it would. <laughs> Um, it, it's it's pretty funny, and it's not that bad, like of like an action movie at all either. Like it's got some stuff going on. Now, it does have a terribly uh, like egregious um, cameo by. Uh, <laughs> oh God, who's the the director of it? Or Michael, of the Bay. Other Michael, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. What? Yeah, so he he didn't direct three, uh-huh. but like he has a cameo in it that I just looked at the guy I was in the theater with and like I fucking hate this. <laughs> like, <laughs> and like you can tell it's influenced by him because there's still all that wide sweeping spinning camera oh, shots God. that are like at a low angle going around on him while they're like reloading a gun or something like that. Or, but uh, I. I would recommend it. Like, if if you're into the bad boys stuff, definitely go see it. If, like, you don't care that much like me, it's still pretty fun. And Martin Lawrence is absolutely hilarious in it. So that's my recommendation. Cool. Bad Boys 3. Um, how's our boy uh, Joey Pants? I think he plays, like, oh. the chief of police or something in this movie. He is in that. I'm not gonna. I can't spoil what happens oh, no. to Joey Pants in this movie. Oh, I gotta see it. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but you you rest assured, Joey Pants is in this movie, and man, is he hot blooded. You you <laughs> just oh, you just you just okay. let him. Damn. <laughs> wow, wild. Um, okay, Tyler, uh, top that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so I'm I'm sure I've recommended this show on the podcast before, but I'm just getting into season four of Better Call Saul. Uh, for those of you who have been living under a rock, this is the critically acclaimed <laughs> spinoff of uh, Breaking Bad, and it uh, stars... Um, uh, well, several characters from the original Breaking Bad show, but uh, mostly with um, oh god, why can't I remember his name right Bob now? Bob Odenkirk. Bob Odenkirk. Yes, thank you. Uh, Bob Odenkirk is the titular Saul Goodman, um, and I I slept on this fourth season because I we. We dropped off of it in the middle of that season when it was airing live, and then we were just like, well, we'll just catch it when it hits Netflix, because the other three seasons were on Netflix. Well, it turns out is a like 16-month hiatus uh, in between seasons before uh, they, they put the previous season on when the new season starts. So season five just started, um, but it's been 16 months since the last season, so it's been a long time. Uh, we tried to get caught up, uh, tried to remember what the plot was and all that, and it was surprisingly easy to jump back in. Um, but man, this show is still as good as ever, and I'm hearing good things about season five. Uh, it's really just this such a it's such a detailed 
look into a single character's like descent into a criminal um, enterprise. Like I feel like so many other shows and movies, they they just do it so fast, right? Like the the character development has to happen in a short amount of time to keep people invested. So turning someone from a good guy to a bad guy has to happen pretty quickly. And it's often unbelievably fast and feels not very genuine. But with this character, it's just like, you, you feel like you understand how someone could get caught up into that world and how it can just like drastically change their life. Um, and Bob Odenkirk, who's, you know, traditionally a comedic actor, is incredible in this dramatic role. So, man, if you haven't been watching it, these first four seasons are on Netflix and you you can just fly through them. They're so engaging and interesting and the acting is so great. Um, same uh, same showrunner as Breaking Bad. So the it just it feels it just feels right for like a spinoff that so, seems so rare. So um, I'm excited to finish this season and catch up on the fifth season. And then I need to watch the the Netflix movie that is the sequel to Breaking Bad. So I've I've got some uh, Breaking Bad averse to catch up on. Cool, cool. My oh my. Uh, I would like to recommend. Um, I think Tyler. I think you recommended something like this a while ago. But um, the other weekend, I went to see Harry Potter live, and. Uh, where uh, it was with the Des Moines Symphony and they played Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and they had they played the entire movie including the credits and they just had a version of the movie that had no music in it and then the symphony played uh, all the music uh, live with the movie and it was such an incredible experience. Yeah, and dude. I think why this was so cool is because it, I mean, it's basically watching the movie, but with like just the score just like turned up. And you can just really, it really makes you notice um, one, all the, mu- all the music that is in the movie, but also all the times when there is no music at all and just it is very incredible um the Des Moines Symphony did a an amazing job and I mean it's John Williams like it's John Williams music so it's it's like what an incredible score to just listen to and enjoy and then also it's uh it was it's the best Harry Potter movie as well. I was just going to say, yeah, it's yeah. one of the best Harry Potter movies, too. It's uh, directed by uh, fan favorite uh, Alfonso Cuaron. And uh, there was two takeaways that I had uh, about uh, Cuaron while watching this movie. Uh, one is he he is famous for the like long single shots. Um we talked about this when we did Children of Men. Um, and I think that uh, this movie has several long shots, but they're far more subtle than what I think his famous shots are. Like, uh, I think he really goes um, bombastic with like Children of Men, Gravity, and Roma. Um, these are like 
far more subtle, but they are like just as enjoyable. And I don't know if it's Caron who does this or he just has this amazing crew, but um, there is a scene in this movie early on where <laughs> all it is is someone is explaining to Harry Potter what a serial killer is. <laughs> and that's the entire scene. That's all that's happening is it just exposition about what a serial killer is. But in the background, the entire cast is like eating breakfast and you can hear all, they all have like this natural dialogue and you can hear all of it. Like it's not, it's not like drowned out, like in the background, it's not background noise. Like you can like really focus in and hear like this entire scene that is going on in the background. And it's, that was just such a joy. He has so, he's so good with like natural dialogue and like people like in, you know, all these wizards, like just having a discussion about breakfast and it is it is so incredible. And then the other thing that I could not stop thinking about and uh, maybe because I just I had just watched this movie, like rewatched it. But um, this uh, oh, where is it? Um, yeah. So this movie came out. Uh, Prisoner of Azkaban came out in 2004 and Why Too Mama Tambien came out in 2001, which is the like erotic like drama that he did, where it's like a like 30 something woman goes on this um, goes on this like sexual vacation with these like two like high school students. And it is an incredible movie, but it is like to go from from this like such this like sexual movie to Harry Potter yeah. in just like two years is quite hilarious. And then Children of Men is like right after that, right? Yeah, yeah. The whiplash that dude has. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and then the other thing uh, that um, I so I've seen all the Harry Potter movies, but I don't think I've ever rewatched them like in full. Uh, so like the only times I've like seen Harry Potter movies, like a second time has just been like on television and I've probably only watched like a 30 minute chunk. And I did not realize that the time travel element of this movie happens at maybe the last 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> yeah. And it's just some mad respect to have a movie just out of nowhere a character just pulls out a time travel device and travels back in time so they can get a do-over like for the final moments of the movie it is so hilarious and so like well done it's an incredible like it's incredible direction and incredible writing and I I was just completely um, blown away by rewatching this movie, um, and uh, so yeah, so kind of a double, 
kind of a double recommendation. Definitely go back and rewatch Prisoner of Azkaban. And then be on the lookout if you live in an area that has a symphony. I think stuff like this happens a lot. And I think there is a company that like has the rights to like the score and the movie. I think they're just kind of like touring around the country having symphonies like play um play this movie. And so be on the lookout cuz I'm sure I'm sure it will come around to you very soon. Um if not this one, if not this movie then the next movie cuz I'm sure they're going to do uh every movie in this series. Um, so yeah, highly recommend. Highly recommend Harry Potter live. Uh, all right, that is it for this episode of Credits Due. Uh, thank you everyone for joining us and thank you, Troy Potter, uh, for once again joining the Two Timers Club and uh, joining us to talk about this movie. <laughs> Do I get a jacket? <laughs> you we do get a jacket. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> It'll be in the mail. It might be my old Letterman jacket from high school. So. <laughs> ah, that works. <laughs> uh, well, once again, thank you so much. Um, thank you so much for joining us. And um, why don't you tell the people kind of uh, where they can find you? Well, people, you can find me uh, at Troy to the Max on Twitter if you want a direct line. Uh, I also do a few other podcasts as well. You can find me and my buddy JT at Review Review Pod on Twitter, and you can find me and my wife on our little lifestyle podcast we have at Charm Type Pod. Um, all of those on Twitter. Hit me up, and you awesome. can find me on. Uh, YouTube at Imperious Rex. <laughs> cool. I do many things. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> busy, busy life. Um, Quite. <laughs> uh, Neil, why don't you tell the people they can find Certainly. you? Certainly. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Dino Neilman. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen. Uh, cool. And you can find uh, my music podcast called Pivotal Tracks, um, where I, I interview a musician about a song that they love. Uh, you can find that, just search Pivotal Tracks on any uh, podcatcher that you get this show on. And once again, thank you for joining us. Um, thank you again for everyone who listens and watches along. Um, and I hope you'll join us again in two weeks, uh, where we'll be talking about the movie 42, um, the Jackie Robinson, uh, kind of, what is it called? Uh, uh, biopic, biopic, yeah, biopic. Um, I've heard it's very good. I've actually heard it's a very good movie. Um, Got Chadwick Boseman, uh, Black Panther himself. So, I mean, Hmm. how could it be bad? Uh, So, we'll see (laughs) in two weeks. So, join us again. And once again, thank you. And remember, as always, 
Only one who knows what to say is in the ground. <laughs>